getting a thumbs up from Ralph. Excellent. Hello and welcome to VT's Fast 30 podcast, brought to you as always by our good friends from audio specialist agency Eardrum. I'm Daisy Doctor and I'll be waving the baton and directing traffic once again today. Here to discuss all things in the wonderful world of media is BT's editor in chief, David Hoppenden. Hi, Daisy. How are you going today? I'm doing good. How are you going, Dave? A man who doesn't drink or smoke is always well, Daisy. So you're not well then, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, our online and print editor, Jonathan Basti. How come David's not wearing pants today? I was unaware that this was a trouser optional podcast. Well, let's not. <laughs> so close to saying moving right along. Let's dive in. Let's, let's dive get in. stuck into the biggest news and stories in uh, media for the last fortnight. And uh, right after we do that, we'll hear from our special guest, CEO of PR and Government Relations for WPP Australia New Zealand, Kieran Moore. But before we do that, let's get down to business. Our first story of the week is um, the massive reduction in Rebel Wilson's def- defamation payout. Can you hear some some champagne glasses clinking at Bower, guys? Well, I mean, absolutely, compared to the $4.6 million they were looking at yesterday. However, bear in mind, uh, it is rumoured that initially Rebel had offered to settle for $200,000. So It wasn't even rumoured. She did. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yes, it's uh, still costing them quite a bit. And the news has been... Rebels made it very clear she's going to appeal the appeal. Appealing. It's a lawyer's picnic yet again. To be fair, I think most people were shocked when $4.5 million, you know, what, what Woman's Day said was probably wrong and scandalous, but it did seem a lot of cash at the time. You know, you, lo- you lose a limb in an industrial accident, you only get you know, $200,000. Someone calls you a liar in a glossy mag, you get four and a half mil. So it did seem a lot, not just that she didn't deserve it in the first place, however. An insider at Bauer said to me yesterday that they thought um, the case hadn't been particularly argued well by Bauer in that there was a lot of conjecture in that what was the loss of earnings that Rebel had, like how can she establish she was really going to lose that much in film contracts? And Um, let's also, let's what we're dealing with here is the women's glossy weekly magazines. They're not probably particularly highbrow, not known for their their truisms, etc. A friend of mine used to work on one of them I won't name and they said, yeah, we often make this stuff up. But by the time the lawyers have moved in, it's just so old news, no one cares anymore. So yeah, they have a long history of doing it. So, um, Are you telling me that everything I read in Woman's Day is not true, John? Don't, don't ruin that. Don't know. Don't know. Don't read it. But, uh, you know, ultimately there's probably a bit of fun to it all. Is it, there's probably a bit of fun to all this. Maybe got, everyone got Particularly if you're a lawyer. Yeah, particularly if you're a lawyer, yeah. Particularly if you work at Bauer. We've not heard the end of it yet, I would hazard a guess. More Martin Sorrell news. The most recent that he was booted out of WPP due to staff bullying and paying a sex worker. There's also the letter to staff from Mark Reed, joint CEO, COO pardon, of um, WPP. Mark Reed reminding the company to, to have respect and and all the values. What do you guys think of? Oh, what sort of world is it where you can nick my money out of the petty casting and hire a hooker and get sacked? It's not a, it's not a world <laughs> I want to live in. It's not the um, media that you know. <laughs> t- t- let's be honest. He's he's been at WPP for forty odd years now. Uh, he's absolutely left. There's going to be some bad blood between in that sort of history, and someone's probably had a cheap pot shot at the poor guy. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. Uh, you know, the guy's worth a mint. The fact that he has to go through petty cash tin to to nick money for prostitutes, I think, is a, a fairly long bow there. Uh, again, 
you know, someone a WPP in Australia told me, said uh, off the record, sort of, well, now I'm putting it on the record, <laughs> uh, uh, that it was more about succession over there. He, he at the 74, Sorrell's 74, he won't move on. The other board members wanted to, you know, it was time for him to go to move on a succession plan. He refused so. So he was sort of, that was more the impetus of getting pushed out the door than than, than these claims. But, uh, you know. When, when did we drop the sir? Why have we just started calling him Martin Sorrell? What happened to Sir Martin? Once I, you get disgraced, you... Does he just, lose your Does the Queen ring you up? She goes, I've heard you've nicking money out of the petty cash tin. Send no you send your you. OBE back. Yeah, <laughs> and the might po- sending you over a post pack. But yeah. he's been back. polishing it so often now. Polishing what? His oh, his medal. Yeah. Oh, right. I thought it was getting even more lewd, this <laughs> conversation. News Corp CMO Tony Phillips announced his departure at the end of the year to start a brand consulting business in Melbourne. What do you think about this? Well, it's always good when you start a new business and your founding client is the person you're currently working for because News Corp has mm. are going to be his founding. So going to be great work for Tony, I should imagine. Probably one of Australia's top marketers. Um, met him a number of times. He's, he knows his stuff. Uh, uh, you know, he's been at it for a long time. He's done some pretty amazing campaigns. So he's certainly got the runs on the board. Um, he, I know he commuted from Sydney to Melbourne, uh, between Sydney and Melbourne, so probably... And he's got older kids, maybe more, probably more a family decision more so than anything else. But, uh, you know, he's done some good stuff, so good luck to him, whatever he does. Who could ever forget the big red hand? Oh, who, who doesn't put a smile on the big red hand, a smile on your dial? That was a Coles ad for people that might be so younger than 35 and don't remember the... Smile on your dial was Coles? No, I was making a joke about... About the big uh, red hand. hand. Status, very funny. status quo okay. as the group. <laughs> so Facebook is firing back at claims that uh, Southern Cross Stereo CEO Grant Black- Blackley um, used regional roadshow events to warn SMEs off spending ad dollars on radio. They really don't like each other, do they? Mm. Traditional media and, and Facebook, they just can't leave each other alone. It does kind of see the default, doesn't it? You know, for a, tradi- if a traditional legacy media business, your default now is just to, if things are grim or down or budgets are down, we'll just blame Facebook and Google. That having said that, there is probably an element of truth to it. I could imagine, particularly in the regionals, there's not a lot of massive spends like there are in the, in the metros. So, you know, he's, you know, Grant Blackley is protecting his patch and, uh, you know, there's a new interloper in town and they, they're they having a bit of a Mexican standoff, really. When do you think the um, the hatred towards the evil duopoly will kind of fizzle out? Never. Never? No. Oh. Well, until all their enemies are vanquished and there's no other media <laughs> forms. Yeah, so, well, I guess it, what, what, when's the ACCC inquiry? When's that all handed down? So I think everyone's watching that quite closely. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there and, and, and what com- becomes of that. But uh, no, I think Blackley's probably got a good point. But, you know, mm. he's joining the long queue of Hugh Marks, Paul Anderson and Tim Warner at the, the TV networks griping about the same thing and a heart raft of any other people. You know, what, what, he's, what Blackley said is, is hardly anything new over the last five years. What did Facebook say? I didn't actually see that story this week. What was, what was their <laughs> comment? Remember we did a rehearsal before this? We, yeah. back, we clearly we didn't. The story was that Grant Blackley... Uh, I know hit, Grant Blackley. I saw that, but yeah, I didn't see he, he Facebook was, hitting back. What, what did they hit back oh, I just with? said his claims were nonsense. Uh, yeah. I said, no, he didn't. Yeah. Well, that. you know, those El Caballo Blanco uh, advertising Again, there's an ad for anyone who's under yeah. about 25 won't remember, Dave. But, uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of a regional uh, attraction that would be on, you know... The, the Leyland, Bro- Leyland Brothers World up at... Uh, That's long gone. That's oh, a service station now. Yeah. Oh, the so. macadamia farm in uh, near Ballina. Okay. 
There you go. Yeah. I'd go right. Bob I'd go smash I'd, repairs. Yeah, I'd go nuts to go down and make a name So, obviously, the biggest uh, week in advertising is, has begun. Can Lion is kicked off now in the south of France. Uh, the biggest kind of strange thing that's happened there is publishers said that they were not going to participate uh and now they are participating. I think it's their brands. They're not participating. They, their brand, it's a workaround. Yeah, yeah. their brands mm-hmm. are putting them in. So they did enter one thing. It was very noble. I can't remember the actual name of the, what, it, what they actually entered them. Was so it for the done. Glass Award? Was very, they, yeah, very, they were very like proud that. of work and they, they stuck it in. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Well, that's good news if you're not a publicist. Then you're mm-hmm. going increase, to just increase your chance well, by just 20%. Goes, just goes to show that the, the clients want the awards just as much as the agencies. So, mm-hmm. you know, good news if you're in the award business. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the other interesting thing is obviously the Tourism Australia Crocodile Dundee ad is up for a Titanium Award. Yes, so. hugely popular. Mm, so mm. hopefully, fingers crossed. It was well. It was really celebrated in America that ad and mm. that whole campaign for kind of boosting tourism to Australia. Did it boost tourism to Australia? We got any? Ooh, it was only. Don't two, have the metrics. Well, it was in grand January, wasn't it? Did it bring more well, bums on seats or bums on aeroplanes? They're probably booked no, their holidays now. No, it was part of now. the um, it was part of the Super Bowl. That was the original debut oh, that's right. of it yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I think anyone who sees Chris Hemsworth just flogs. Right. To Australia. Are we going to have to suffer another Crocodile Dundee movie? Well, now? Potentially. It, Paul Hogan is going to make a movie where he'll star as himself called The Wonderful Mr. Dundee. Starts oh, filming in July. Boring. And what's that about? Uh, it's set in the future where he's, I can't remember exactly, oh. but <laughs> good, good he, news has to, he has to hand over his, his he wins an OBE for services to comedy or something, but then. Oh. Is it, are you making this up? No, no, this is for real. This sounds terrible. Clearly you don't read my stories. I want to watch this crowd. I'd stop making this immediately. Is that terrible? <laughs> is there any crocodiles in it? Oh, I don't know. Well, if, if you're in the. It's in the future. Well, if you make robotic fake latex crocodiles, the opportunity for business is, is you know, <laughs> only every 25 years between a crocodile and a film. So what about IPG's letter to staff about being cautious when it comes to consuming alcohol? Such warnings are never handed out at B&T. What do you think this Daisy, is? Daisy, I was only lecturing you this morning on <laughs> the evils of alcohol. And, mm. Do you think this is a step too far? David was vomiting in the toilet from last night's hangover. Look, in this day and age, you know, if you do something silly and end up, you know, with a Sydney Morning Herald protruding from your buttocks, or I should say the can daily... Uh, at five o'clock in the morning, you know. Dave, no, one, no one wants to hear about your experience at car last year. <laughs> people can say, well, I didn't know that it wasn't okay to get completely legless. So, mm. you know, they've left nothing to chance. So I think if you misbehave and you're at IPG, you can expect to get your marching orders mm. pretty sharply. Yeah, it's probably a bum-covering thing. People, mm. you know, the people are still going to get pissed, aren't they? Let's also, you know, you hear a lot of this these days and, and you know, Christmas staff, Christmas parties and behaving and companies doing this and... You know, let's, from my point of view, who often gets drunk and makes a fool of themselves at the Christmas party, let's be careful of what we wish for. Let's not over-regulate this. Let's not, you know, there's a human side to this. And I understand why they're doing it and they want to protect some ass-covering measure. But, you know, let's... I think the bigger question is, is will, um, what's that bastard's name? <laughs> Mark, Mark Ritson, Mr. Rit- Professor Ritson. Well, and he, if you're listening, Mr. Well, Ritson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huge Mr. Yeah, Mr. Ritson, if your lawyer's listening, then uh, <laughs> will he publish the same article and campaign of blank pages saying here's all the useful information you'll get from going to a can this oh, year? Oh, that's so Done good. It two years in a row. Will he do it a third year? Oh, it's kind of the joke's a bit over then if yeah. he does it a third year. Hey, we rehash old jokes of BT all the time. Yeah, so there's yeah, actually so. been three jokes you've said in this sequence that you actually already used in the newsletter this morning. I'm a strong advocate of, of <laughs> yeah. rehashing old jokes. Funny 
funniest jokes are the ones that are reused constantly. Mm. And of course, if you have an opinion of who's going to win at Cannes, head over to B&T as we're running a poll. So whoever wins the poll gets a free trip to the office. Something else. <laughs> Come check out B&T. We get to lunch with David Hovenden. The second prize is two lunches with David <laughs> <laughs> We'll buy you a Cooper's beer and a chicken schnitzel. KB Hotel, Surrey Hills, yeah. Commonwealth Street. Right, that's a wrap for this week's Media Stories. We're going to take a short break before we return with Kieran Moore. For that, let's hear the latest from the folks at Audio Specialist Agency Eardrum. So you've probably read the report saying we've reached peak screen and with so many sexy new audio platforms around, consumers are starting to navigate the world through their ears using their voice as a remote control. And if you want your brand to exist on these platforms, you're going to need an audio logo or earmark. And more importantly, you're going to have to commit to using it everywhere as soon as possible. Music's really subjective, but Eardrum's perfected a process that helps remove taste from the equation and successfully captures the essence of a brand in audio in four seconds or less. We've done it for Vodafone. BWS and Digital Radio Plus to name a few. With continued investment, these earmarks will give their brands a real competitive advantage in the same way as McDonald's, which sounds like this, has over Burger King, which sounds like this. Exactly. And if alarm bells are ringing for you right now, get in touch with the eardrum. What do you think our audio logo would sound like, David? I can't picture it. (laughs) (laughs) Can't picture audio. Which is the whole point of audio, I guess, isn't it? (laughs) As for the big campaigns from the last two weeks, let's start with local FIFA World Cup campaign from Hyundai and Sportsbet. Sorry, guys. Traffic was a shocker. Let's go! I guess Hyundai, which probably most people don't know, and to their utter chagrin, are huge supporters of football slash soccer in this country. They obviously sponsor the A-League here, so they probably had to do something. It was interesting, ad, if no one saw it, it also included it was sort of a soccer, kids' soccer game, including Damien Fleming, the cricketer, Wendell Saylor, the ex-league union guy, and an AFL player whose name escapes me. Um, so it probably was trying to cater to all sports. It probably wasn't a great ad. Typically... The work for World Cup is, you know, big global stuff. This looked a bit... Gardened. Local. Little, uh, yeah, just a bit weak for me. Well, speaking didn't, of pedestrian... Didn't, really hit the, didn't hit the mark. Um, the other one, Sportsbet, always yeah. do Crazy Dangerous. They did a mural down in um, Fitzroy in on a wall and it showed the Socceroos captain, Millet, I can never pronounce his surname so I won't even try, uh, kicking Russian President uh, Putin in the balls, which was, you know, they always do daring stuff. Strange sort of campaign. I think it's one of those word-of-mouth things might I also miss miss the mark? You know, sports bet, you kind of think young, under 25 male might be slightly bogany. Mural in Elaine in Fitzroy, probably a bit hipster and a bit of a disconnect there. People just might. consume so much stuff when they get into footy fever, though, don't they? They'll just look for anything. So I think the social uplift on that will be pretty big. Next up, the Blade Runner-like TVC for condom brand Skin. It did have a very Ridley Scott. The premise of the ad was, you know, technology is killing everyone's sex lives and it was sort of set to this sort of... With the Scots like theme, um, I'm probably not, you know, being a married father of two. You know, I do have a condom in my wallet, but it expired in 1994, sadly. So uh, 
Um, I probably was in target audience, but the younger, more virile members of staff certainly sung its praises. So. I mean, I thought it was great. Well, I oh, just I that was a bad place to step in, but I <laughs> yeah, did think it was. Yeah. I did think it was a really good ad. I thought oh, it was really interesting. Well, the great the great thing about all condom ads is they can't show the product in use. So you know, um, it always has to be quite suggestive, and uh, you know, lots of young fit people, both in uh, um, single sex as well as. Uh, uh, more traditional relationships. But the funny thing about the ad was that it was about, I think it was like trying to get attraction back together or something. It was the technology was pulling everyone apart. So actually yeah, it, was, it was a sort of anti-condom ad. It was using that, um, you know, the insight into that, you know, we spend all our time on our devices and we're not getting, you know, to the simple pleasures in life, John. So what about Lush Cosmetics' Spy Cops campaign? Um, it's copped a lot of criticism from Mark Ritson. I have to kind of agree. I thought it was so just not relevant to a cosmetics company to be talking about a political issue. Well, it's like greenwashing sort of gone mad, isn't it? You know? Greenwashing? Mm, you know, like, yeah, it's a whole... But cause washing in this case, actually, so is what you call this, isn't it? But, you know, I mean, this one was just beyond the mark. It was trying to impede a, you know, a, a rightfully empowered police force from doing its job. So, you know, it was irresponsible in the extreme. It was the Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad of 2018. <laughs> yeah. Very wide of the mark. Um, Ritson was right in his criticism of it. Uh, again, you know, brands, particularly youth brands, are targeting and being very social aware. But this just was so convoluted, mm. didn't match. As Ritson said, you know, they make bath bombs and soaps and here they're trying to, you know, it was sort of anti-police and uh, just... Yeah, it just got it really wrong. and it was It's really that fine line between bravery and stupidity, is it not? Uh, it can blow up in your face. I'm not sure how much it will blow this, up in this brand's face. No, well, um, actually, it's funny you bring up Pepsi because obviously when that happened, Pepsi pulled the ad almost immediately, but Lush has stood by their decision. Continue. They've got a new iteration yeah. in their stores Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're not backing down. Well, I guess it's Mark Richardson yeah. just shit-canning something. He always he's known for shit-canning. Helps, helps it get the publicity, certainly within the industry, and then everyone brings it up. Uh, I never would have seen the Lush... Yeah. A living in Australia and B not being Lush is in Australia. No, no, but the ad was British, wasn't oh, it? Oh yeah, 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 campaign. Yeah, right. yeah. You only need to look at David's skin to know he doesn't use Lush products. Oh. <laughs> Always been a um, Lux soap man, John. Yeah, you love a raspberry bath bomb, David. <laughs> you, love, you love a little fizz before you go to bed. <laughs> uh, now we wanted to move on to eardrums. Quite disgusting campaign for biz cover. Are we getting features. Ralph in here for this? Is well, Ralph I'd love in to get Ralph in here. We have to explain who Ralph like is. Ralph it. runs a dear friend from Eardrum. Eardrum. Yes. Oh, we're in their Eardrum studios right now. Yeah. But if you haven't yes. checked out, checked out this. Here aid. comes Ralph. Ralph's coming in. Hello, you know, Ralph. This is. Oh. We have to share a mic. Yeah. But I feel this is breaking the fourth wall or crossing the line or something. Yeah. Oh, is this all right? Oh, I'm enjoying yeah. this. <laughs> all right. I can't get much closer. Yeah. Ralph, do you want to kind of take our listeners through what the ad was about? Um, okay, so the ad is featuring um, a pretty hairy, pretty gross toe or a uh, foot, <laughs> five toes in fact, yeah, um, with very long toenails. And the premise of the idea is to give business owners something worse to do than renewing their business insurance. This ad is designed to be a turnoff. Oh. So you'll stop watching and head to BizCover to finally see if you can get a better deal on insurance for your small business. And I think, um, judging by the number of calls they've, they've received, I think we delivered. Um, but, yeah, so that's, I mean, it's a low-interest ca- low category, very low engagement, and as a business owner I can attest to the fact that 
getting a competitive quote on my business insurance is the last thing on my to-do list. And this ad gives people um, something worse to do, <laughs> to sit through that ad as a, as a way of prioritising their business insurance. Certainly watching that ad is worse to do than uh, that. I think I could get six seconds in before I just turned it off. It just was just abhorrent. Right, okay. Right. Yeah, okay. Well, they, I mean, they um, they are getting a significant increase in in phone calls, good and bad. People yeah, throwing eggs at their building. But I thought it was really accounts, clever. It's working. Oh, yes. no. Yeah, I thought it was clever. It's a nice departure from your normal ads that you see about that kind of yeah. industry that's yeah. boring normal, and doesn't catch your attention. Ads, but a pleasant trying to sell stuff. This uh, quite con- anti-ad, really, isn't it? Well, it is yeah. and it isn't. I mean, I think it's um, really there's not much to see in this category. You know, someone going online and searching for a competitive business insurance quote is really dull. Um, so there's not much in the world of this category that's that's makes compelling viewing. And the worst possible sort of advertising is one that goes unnoticed. Mm. Um, this is certainly getting noticed. Mm. Um, the radio campaign does the same thing. We're um, giving people something worse to listen to than um, than going online and getting <laughs> and 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 that works. But the voiceover is quite sophisticated mm. and witty, mm. and so we we have a sort of a tone of voice which is, you know, we know we're talking about business and we know this is gross, so play along, um, and uh, you've learned about biz cover as a result. Mm. Well, bear in mind the monkeys had uh, they're throwing the the chimpanzee out of the aeroplane when the, the car insurance ad. Remember, mm. that's well, there was the CGI monkey, wasn't it? Yes, no, it was, it was, there was no animal monkey cruelty. Was, no, was, no monkey was harmed. Yes, yeah. but yes, again, it's that same need to do the shock to mm. sell the boring product, yeah, or low interest indeed, as you call it. And, yeah. you know, it's refreshing mm. for us to uh, to work with clients, and I'm sure many agencies will probably um, have the same view, that when, when you're working with a client that is pushing you to be brave and to challenge the industry and to disrupt, then um, that's a challenge we accept. And we presented three different ca- uh, categories, each with a different degree of bravery, mm. and they went for the one that was the most extreme because they really wanted to make a statement. Yeah, that's fantastic. It must be very hard to pitch to that. What what do they consider brave when you're doing it like that? So, yeah, well, we yeah. we take our own view. You know, we, mm. we start with like, okay, this is a little nudge forward, brave for the category, and then this is brave for um, advertising, and then this is brave for content. <laughs> so, I think um, it was Adam Ferrier, our dear friend Adam, who always seems to pop up, who said, Start with what will get you sacked and work your way backwards from there. Oh, <laughs> that's great. All right, awesome. Thanks so much for coming in, Ralph, and explaining mm. that ad to everyone. I'll go back to the other booth. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the soundproof booth. <laughs> Certainly multitasking today. Mm. And again, about this trousers optional thing. Well, I didn't, well, I didn't receive the memo. It's now my great pleasure to introduce our special guest for today, WPP's CEO of PR and Government Relations for Australia and New Zealand, Kieran Moore. Welcome, Kieran. Thank you very much, Daisy. What do you think a fully kind of rounded PR person does these yeah. days? Well, um, really good PR people don't send journalists press releases and cross their fingers <laughs> and hope that they're going to get covered. Uh, I think that um, in my role, because I work across the 19 different businesses, so we've got everyone from specialists in healthcare to government relations, to content, social, digital, consumer, brand, business to business, technology, Um, depending on what uh, the clients need, um, we pretty much build specialist teams around that. Um, The proportion of work that we do 
which is just media relations, is probably about 20% of the work that we do now. Um, and certainly in the good old days when I was little, it was all that we did. Um, and there was a lot more media outlets to pitch to then yes. as well. So everything from uh, we do a lot of uh, um, ideation and um, creativity. We've got a couple of uh, ECDs in the PR companies. Um, we do a lot of strategy. We do digital. We do influencer work. We do content. We do crisis and issues. You name it, we do it. It's a lot more interesting now than it was even 10 years ago. And what makes it really interesting is the fact that we're competing a lot um, not with our traditional PR competitors, but with a lot of the creative and the mm. media agencies. And that means you've got to bring in different people. They've got to be good at analytics. They've got to be good at data. They've got to be good at, uh, you know, big ideas. And they've also got to be really good at executions. It's a lot more interesting um, than it's ever been. Um, so we bring we try and bring people in now that we think are right for the job and then we create roles around them. When the client comes and sees you, what's the number one thing that the client tends to want these days? It, it is varied. Um, so, for example, we have a lot of pharmaceutical clients mm. and they might come to us and say, uh, we've got a drug that we want listed on the PBS. Um, we think we want, want this drug to be more affordable to rare cancer sufferers, for example. Mm. Um, how can you go about um, uh, lobbying and um, influencing whether they're stakeholder, patient stakeholder groups or the medical fraternity or government to get a particular drug listed, for example. That's one. Um, we do a lot of work in that area. Um, other people will come to us like, you know, we work for KFC and they say we're doing a big integrated campaign about taking the bird back to Birdsville, which is actually just about brand loyalty and getting people to, you know, to tuck into the bird. Um, but then we also have um, um, a lot of work where companies are merging uh, with each other. We do a lot of change management employee comms, it really does, it really does differ. What do you make, I know a lot of people that I've spoken to who are journalists or work in media sometimes say they just come up against too many people in PR and they feel so controlled and the message is so controlled. Do you think that there is a level of kind of too much pervasiveness of PR into, into journalism? I think a really good PR person doesn't control the message to the journalists. And I think the most important thing is the the best PR people are the ones that sit between the client or an organisation and the people that they need to get to. And most of the challenges that big organisations or brands have is that they are too complex and they overcomplicate really simple messages. And PR people come in and say, actually, that is not relevant. People don't care about that. That's a puff piece. That's too much, too much marketing message. Why don't we try and find out what people actually want to hear about from you can you actually have a role to play in part of that communication um, and tell them that way? Because um, I think the biggest f- flops are when you see, I mean, I see them, you see press releases that are full of marketing blurb and, mm-hmm. you know, and hyped up stuff that actually no one cares about. And it's a lot of, you know, yeah. corporate masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I swallow. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say, you, rather than there's too many PRs controlling the journalists, there's not a lot of journalists controlling yep. the PRs. There's not, you can send a press release in and I receive probably countless thousands sure of thousands do. a day. There's just no time to do the, the news cycles to, to, yep. to check, fact check, look at, mm. uh, you know, often, you know, because the website goes straight up, it, yep. you know, it's a sensational headline with a big statistic. There's no journos actually. So that's making it easier for PRs and the sort of slightly the ethics are going out of the business, I, I would say from from the journalist's point of view. I mean, I think the, the, the decrease in the number of quality journalists and quality mastheads 
and outlets in this country is is a is a crying shame mm. for sure. Mm. And I th- only the most um, I suppose frivolous PR person would think that that's a good thing for them mm. if it means that they're going to shortcut you know having really good um, pieces of work that have got integrity and are fact based around them. Mm. Um, I think that what we tend to do, or well, certainly of the three hundred people in my team when we are pitching stories or we're working on campaigns is we try and do them mostly exclusively so that we can talk to the journalists, you know, line up the story, get a third-party advocate, get all the facts involved so that we can actually add a bit of meat and depth and uh, a bit of rigour, I suppose, to the stories. I think that, you know, as I said earlier, the press release factory and sending it out and crossing your fingers and hoping that you're going to get somewhere is not a strategy for success. What, what's, what's the one thing you learned, you know, just people listening, even in our own lives when we stuff things up, what's the one lesson of crisis management? You know, if I tell, tell everyone uh, everything, tell them uh, quickly and tell them that you're sorry and you're going to get on and change it. They're four things. Mm. Just last question. Was absolutely fabulous a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I was living in London <laughs> at the time, and you know it's based on a couple of people mm. that were running agencies in London. I uh, sadly wasn't working for one of them. Oh. No. <laughs> I think that's everything we wanted to cover today, Kieran. Thank you so much for coming in. And my pleasure. Thanks for your time. Anytime. All right, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favourite podcast provider by searching for B&T Fast 30. And if you like what you hear, why not give us a review? So from all of us at B&T, keep living the dream and thanks to John and Dave again. We'll see you next time. See you next time. It was a joy of having me here, I think, today. <laughs> thanks. Will we be invited back? That's go, the question. Go, Socceroos. Go, go. Fade out. Fade out. Fade out.